about it. Are y'all interested? Y'all yeah. want to go on for some more? All right, be seated in the house because I'm ready to go, dog. Glory to God. God is, God is, and this is what it all comes down to. Who is your source? And who are you putting your trust and confidence in? Because I'm going to tell you, a man or a woman will let you down every single time. I'm here to tell you, you catch me on the wrong day, I might let you down. I might preach you and say and pray for you today, but you catch me on the wrong day. I ain't had enough sleep. Some all kind of stuff is going on. I might slip up and talk, talk about your mom. I don't know. Not intentionally, but at the end of the day, your trust and confidence can never be in man. Man will let you down. Are y'all listening to me? Man will let you down. I've been, I've, unfortunately, there's been men and women of God who have been in the position I'm in who have made mistakes and they have let whole people, whole congregations down. But I know somebody who will never let you down. He will never turn his back on you. In fact, he, he made a promise to you. If you ever say, man, I feel so alone, let me give you a word. Jesus said, and the word of God says, God promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If it's just you, he says, I would have still sent Jesus just for you. So today, he, 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 this morning and last night, he was giving me the word to, to, to share with you this morning. So I'm going to make this declaration. And what I always tell you to do, bring a piece of paper and a pen and a Bible. The reason why? You're not going to remember everything I'm going to say. And what's going to happen is, is as I'm sharing it, there are certain things you're going to hear me say, but there are also going to be things Holy Spirit is only going to speak to you concerning your situation and circumstance. Okay? Are y'all ready? I love y'all. I love y'all. I do. I love you. God loves you too. God loves us so much that he will even use his word to gently correct us, to make adjustments so we can receive more and more from him. Amen? Amen. So I make this declaration in accordance with Isaiah 61 and uh, 1. It says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and open to the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. To appoint unto them born in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old ways, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the deck desolation of many generations. So, Father, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise that is due your name. Father, this is the day which you have made. We will rejoice and we will be exceeding and glad. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you for revelation of your word. We thank you, Father God, for all that you will say and all that you will do. And we covenant with you for miracles, signs, wonders, Manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation in our service. Father, I thank you that we receive full and complete understanding of your word in its proper context, that you have given me holy boldness to speak forth your word with clarity and with accuracy, that my, let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer, writing the very oracles of your word upon the tables of their heart. Let it not be with demonstration of spirit and power, but uh, 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 enticing words of man's wisdom, but let it be in demonstration of spirit and power. 
Father God, I thank you that we have anointed ears to hear, eyes to see, and our hearts are open and ready to receive the word of God in Jesus' name. Let us all say amen. Now, I got a word for you this morning. Are you ready? Say, I'm expecting to receive a word from God for my situation right now. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. You are an overcomer. Look at somebody else and say, neighbor, you are an overcomer. Point to yourself and say, hey, I'm letting you know right now. You are an overcomer. Now, I didn't say you're going to be an overcomer. I said you already are an overcomer. In fact, this is the word of the Lord for you right now concerning all the stuff that's going on uh, here in the nation of Canada, also in the United States, and with the coronavirus, the social justice, the, all the elections and all that other crazy stuff. This is what he told me to tell you. And according to John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, I'm reading out the Amplified. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. Who is he telling to do that? Did he say he was not going to let your heart be troubled? Or is he telling you, you are the one who's not supposed to let your heart be troubled? Let me help you. You are the one who's not supposed to let your heart be troubled. What does that word trouble mean? It means to be distressed or agitated. He says, you believe in me. He says, you believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. And believe in and adhere to and entrust and rely also on me. How do you keep your heart from being troubled when you rely on, trust in, believe in God and also in his son, Jesus Christ? What does that mean? You keep your eyes focused on him. Don't get caught up in all the stuff because, man, I tell you what, there's all kind of stuff coming. Left, right, and center. I mean, you can't even cut the TV on right now without seeing something crazy that comes across the scene. But what does he tell us to do? He says, don't let your heart be troubled. In other words, don't get distressed. Don't get agitated. Don't get all bent out of shape. Don't be like, oh, whoa, 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 this is me. He says, what am I telling you to do? Trust in me. Believe in me. Rely on me. Depend on me. Is there any questions about that? Anybody confused about that? What you're supposed to do? Trust in, believe in, rely on God the Father and Jesus the Son. Why? Because they, are, they never change. They are consistently the same. He also gave me this other thing to tell you as well. He says, now that you've made a decision, now has everybody made a decision that they're going to trust in, rely on, depend on God and the Son, Jesus Christ, and not let their heart be troubled. Does everybody agree that that's what you're going to do? I need a show of hands for everybody who's going to make a decision. I'm going to trust in, believe in, and rely on him. He says, now that you made a decision, this is also what I need you to do. And of course, the first Peter chapter five Verses six and seven, it says, therefore, humble yourselves, meaning to demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. How do you do that? Cast all the whole of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns once and for all on him. 
Now, how are you going to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God? By casting all of your cares, all of your worries, all of your anxieties onto him. Why? Because he cares for you. Do y'all see that? How do you stay? How do you not let your heart be troubled? By casting all of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries unto God. Why? Because he cares for you. And because you trust in him, you rely on him, you depend on him. You, your heart is not troubled, is not distressed, is not agitated. Do y'all see that? When you try to carry the concern and the worries and the fears around with you, guess what happens? You your heart is troubled. You get off into fear and you open up the door for your adversary to come in and do exactly what it is that you're afraid is going to happen. Do you all see that? Is that it's not deep, right? It's, it's simple. So but this is the thing. It's easy for us to to remember that while we're in here. The part is, is when you're not here, man, I got to remember this. How do you remember that? You got to begin to meditate on the on this word. You got to. That's why we say got to have a pencil, have a paper. You write it down. So when you go home, because you, you don't have me going home with you now. What we do do is what we have begun to do is we upload the messages also on Apple, uh, Apple podcast and also on, on Spotify. And we upload the messages so the people can go back and listen to it again. And if you're on your way to work or school or whatever the case may be, you can pop it on or you can be in your house and you can be cleaning your house. And that word is, is playing over and over and over again. How does faith come by? Hearing and hearing and hearing. And then once you hear it often enough, then all of a sudden, all of your spirit comes a revelation of what it is that you heard. And man, OK, this is what I need to do about that situation. This is what I need to do about that tuition. This is what I need to do about my children. This is what I need to do about that bill. You understand what I'm saying? But it doesn't happen just by you sitting there wringing your heads. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. What am I going to do? Oh, Lord. You ever notice you know, wearing that's good Holy Spirit. Worrying and being anxious and having concerns is like looking for a file in a filing cabinet and you go back to that same filing cabinet and you keep going back to it. And no matter how many times you keep going back to the filing cabinet, you still can't find that file. But when you get still before God, when you cast all of your cares and it literally, I mean, literally, Father, I make a decision to trust in you to rely on you, to depend on you. I'm going to humble myself, submit myself, and I'm going to cast this worry concerning this, and I'm going to cast my anxieties concerning that, and I'm going to do cast this over on you, and this over on you, and Father, not only am I going to cast it on you, but when I cast it, I'm going to leave it there. So even when I'm tempted to go back and pick it up, anybody ever take their car to get an oil change, say, man, change my oil in my car? Then got back in the car, drove out in the same car. How are they going to change your oil? Same thing. When you cast your cares on the God, you're saying, God, I trust you. That care come back up. Uh -uh, uh -uh, I, I, God, that's your problem. I don't turn that over. Here. Now, that doesn't mean you don't do anything. If he'll share with you what to do, but worrying about it's not going to change it. Why? Because there, and this is the other thing, the last thing he told me to share with you. There is no human wisdom or understanding or counsel that can prevail against the Lord. So there's no human wisdom 
or understanding or counsel that can prevail against the Lord. So people can come up, people will come up with all kinds of things like, you know, you should do this and you should do that. You should do this. And guys like that is not the way I'm going to give you. I'm going to show you this example that happened on Friday when I was having a meeting with this young man. We was having a meeting. He got up out of his car. He inadvertently locked his car door. And I said, where's your fob? At? He had his fob. But the but he said the 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 instrument in the fob, the, the control panel didn't work. So his fob didn't work. I said, oh, that's no big deal, man. You got a key. He said, I do. But the key was in the car. So he didn't have his car. So what's he doing? He's wringing his hands. Oh, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm telling him like I'm telling you. I need you to calm down. Why don't we just go get a battery for it? No, no, no. I, I tried it. That, that, that don't work. I tried it at home. That's not going to work. And he said, well, there's a dealership. So we go down to the dealership. We go down to the dealership. Dealership says, well, you got to tow your car here. And I said, but they are, this is where you bought the car for. They should have all your information. They should be able to get, they couldn't help it. They said, you might want to. So I'm like, why don't you call CAA? CAA comes and pops, gets you in your car. His head was everywhere. He's a believer. But his head was everywhere. I'm like, hey, everything's going to be good. Everything's going to come. I was like, man, we right here. I mean, shoot, push, come to shove. You know, I can roll you wherever you got to go. He said, no, I'll just call my wife. I'll call my wife. And then he gets, we get back to God. He said, you know, God is able to, you know, cause that car door to unlock. I said, I know he is. I said, I can tell you by the time I was on like low fuel, my engine, my light said I was on zero. And I'm like, Lord, I need you to get me 50 more miles because I can't get to the gas station. And I said, so I know he's able to do the possible. We get back there. I said, hand me that fob. We hold it. We trying to get to it. Then he says, you know, let's go try the battery like you said. So I'm like, okay, let's go try the battery. So we walk over to the, what is it, Dollar Tree there? Is that the name? Okay. Dollar Tree. We walk over to the Dollar Tree. He gets, he, I said, you know what the number is? He said, yeah, I know what the number. He, get the, he gets the number, puts it in the battery. Puts it in the fob. Now, you know, you walk up to your fob, walking up to your car, and you kind of, choo, choo, choo. We had, I was probably from here to, to Rita, and he hit that button, chick, 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 that door opened, my man took off running in case that car changed his mind in order to lock the door again. He went and got his keys, and he was like, just thank God, thank God. I'm like, brother, the one thing you should have learned out of all this, the first thing you do when trouble hits is don't panic. Why? Because God already had a way out for you. It didn't happen the way he thought it would happen. He thought he'd have to get a new key fob when all, all the time all he needed was a battery. So, yeah, that's good, Lord. He says, for some of you, you are trying this and you're trying that. And you're trying this and you're trying this, this thing. And I'm going to try that thing. He says, and all you got to do is just get still, cast your cares under God, get still, put your trust and confidence in him, and he will show you the way out. Do y'all see that? Okay. Now, now that y'all got that. That was the word for someone in here or someone online. That was your word for the day. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. When Jesus came to earth, who was he sent to? And who did, he, did, who did Jesus spend his time with to impact the city, to impact the community, to impact the region? to impact the nation and impact the world. So when Jesus came 
to the earth. Who did he come to? Who was he sent to? And after that, who did he spend his time with? And by spending time with these people, how did he impact their cities? How did he impact their community? How did he impact their regions? How did he impact the nation? And ultimately, how did he impact the world? How did he do it? The answer is going to surprise you. The answer is going to surprise you. Are you ready? Hold on. Some Okay. All right. Well, first of all, let me ask you this question. Why did Jesus have to come in the first place? Well, in accordance to Genesis, and I'm going to give a synopsis. In accordance to Genesis chapter 1, this is what happened. Okay, I see it. I got it. All righty. All right, ladies and gentlemen. According to Genesis chapter 1, it says this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So in the beginning, God created man. He's him, him, Jesus, the father. I mean, God, the father, Jesus, his son and the Holy Spirit sitting there. And God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let's give them dominion. Dominion is authority. So when man was when God first originally created man, he created man to have authority. So what happened? It says, so God created uh, man in his image and in his, in his likeness. God created him, male and female, created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over, every, over the fowl of the air and over every creeping thing, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So when God created man, he, he gave the man authority, he gave the man dominion, and he gave him specific instructions. Replenish, multiply, subdue, and replenish the earth, right? Does everybody agree upon that? Now, you have to understand that part. If, in order, Yes, sir, he says, if you don't understand that part, you won't understand any of the rest of the stuff I'm about to say. When God originally created the earth, he created, it says, and we said this before, what's the most important scripture in the Bible? Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1 is the most important scripture in the Bible because of this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you do not believe that, you won't believe that God was the one who created man. You won't believe it was God who gave the man authority and dominion over the earth. Are you listening to me? Because most places you go, they won't tell you that. So in the beginning, God created heavens and earth. He, then he made man. He gave man authority. He gave man dominion. And he also says, man, now you rule over the earth. That's why when you say in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus prays the prayer, your, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth just like it is in heaven. Why? Because when God created Adam and uh, created Adam, he, he operated on earth just like it was in heaven. Remember, because he was created in the likeness and image of God. 
But then what happened? God made, it, made the, the Garden of Eden, and he put Adam in that garden. He says, Adam, of all the trees of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day you eat of that tree, he says, you shall surely die. Was he talking about physical death? Eventually, but not at that time. He was talking about a separation. Or you will cut yourself off from God's way of doing things. God's operation system. We call it the kingdom of God. So when God originally created Adam, created Adam in the garden, Adam came out and Adam only knew one thing. He only operated according to the kingdom of God. And as long as he operated according to the kingdom of God and no other thing, he always got the results that the kingdom of God would give him unless he violated the law in the kingdom of God. And once he if he ever violated that law, then he would come out. of He would he would still be alive, but he would no longer be operating according to the kingdom of God. Now he's going to be operating according to another way of doing things. I still have your attention right now. Now. Of course, you know the, the, how it's written out that old Slick Willie, a.k.a. Satan, comes by in the form of a serpent. Now, most people, when you talk to them about the devil, they automatically believe he has a red, he's red, has a pointy tail and a pitchfork. That is not what he looks like. It says he appeared to you as an angel of light. He will appear to you just like anybody, any ordinary person. And in the way that he will deceive you is he will use the word just like you would think, but he will put a twist on it or he'll use it out of his proper context. So he comes to Adam and Eve. Well, he comes to Eve. Did God really say? Did he really say you couldn't eat at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Man, please, God don't want you to do it because he knows the day you eat of it, you're going to be just like God. Now, stop for a second. They were already like God. Do y'all see that? They were already like God because he made them in his image and his likeness. So they was already like him, but they lost sight of that. Or she lost sight of it. Well, I would say they because Adam was standing right there next to her looking like, look at you, Eve, you fine girl. He was standing right there next to her and he never said anything. So then she says, well, you should not surely die for God knows in the day that you eat of it, you will be just like God, having knowledge of good and evil. Because at that point, they only knew good. So what did they do? Of course, Eve looked at the fruit, saw it was good. It looked good. Would make one wise, make them just like God. She partook of it. God didn't say anything. Then Adam did it because the. Because the, the covenant, original covenant was with Adam. A Adam ate of it. What happened as soon as they partook of that fruit and violated that one command? They died spiritually. They had a separation between them and God. And when they died spiritually, not only did they have a separation between them and God, but they also transitioned out of the kingdom of God and started operating according to the kingdom of darkness. And that's the system that's in the earth right now, the kingdom of darkness. Do y'all see? So this whole book is a story about two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Now, why is that important to you? Because God says, I'm not going to leave you in that state. In fact, he says in 
in Genesis chapter 3. He makes this promise. He, he, tells, he tells the adversary, Satan, this. He says this to him. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and between her seed. And you shall bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Now, whose seed is, is he talking about? This is the point where God, where God was telling Satan about Jesus. He, he was speaking Jesus into the earth. So he's telling, he's like, hey, you did this, but you think it's over, but it's not over. And it's, it's, he says it's the same thing about everything that's going on right now. You, and he's trying, the world is trying to convince you that it's too late, that believers, you might as well shut up, sit down, and stay in your nice little, nice little four walls. You're four, no more. Don't tell nobody else about that Jesus, because Satan says, I'm winning. And he is deceived to believe he's really going to win. But God. So what did God do? He spoke Jesus into the earth. For years, nobody ever seen anything. Then comes into Isaiah chapter 9. Jesus not only was going to come to the earth, but this was going to be his mandate once he got here. It says, for unto us a child, and y'all hear this at Christmas time. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government kingdom shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father of eternity, prince of peace. Of the increase of his government, or a.k.a. kingdom, and of peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David, and over his kingdom, to establish it forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So what happened? God told, said that, hey, I'm, I'm speaking Jesus, and when he comes, this is what he's going to do. He's going to reestablish the kingdom of God in the earth. Does that change Sunday school stories that y'all been hearing? That he was just coming to, he on on the cross. The cross was just a, was a payment for our sins. But the whole agenda was to reestablish the kingdom of God in the earth. Are y'all listening to me? Do y'all are y'all with me so far? Now, when Jesus came, remember I asked the question after he came, how did he go about impacting? the cities and communities and nations and ultimately the world. How did he go about doing it? Did he go to see Caesar? Did he say, did he say, Caesar, this is what I need you to do. That is not what he did. In fact, the reason why it was so hard for the, for the Pharisees and Sadducees to receive it is because when they heard that he was going to come, the prince of the king of kings was coming, the Lord of Lord was coming. They assumed that he was going to come and he was going to establish, he was going to take over Rome and reestablish the Jews into their rightful place. In fact, even when the disciples, after Jesus went to the cross, they asked the question, is, is now the time that you're going to restore Israel? What did he come to do? Reestablish the kingdom of God. So y'all see the difference between the two. So, how did he go about doing it? I'm glad. Thanks. <laughs> Calm yourself down, Jerry. I tell you. Matthew chapter 9 says this. He says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news, the gospel of what? 
of the cross? Nope. A remission of sins? No. I'm going to get up on that last day. Nope. You're going to have heaven in that sweet by and by. Nope. What did he say to him? And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news, the gospel of the kingdom and curing all kinds of disease and every weakness and infirmity. So did it what did Jesus go about doing? Teaching in their synagogues, teaching them what? About the kingdom of God. And when he taught them in a, in its, about the kingdom of God, what happened? He cured all kinds of disease. You said there's only one place. Okay, I got another place. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 says, And he went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every weakness and infirmity among the people. Why is that important to you? Because if you're a born-again believer, in accordance to Colossians chapter 1.13, it says this about you. It says, the Father has delivered you and drawn us to himself out of the controls or the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of sins. Do you see that? When you accept, you know, now people say, well, how do you, how, how does a person get into the kingdom of God? And in fact, Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter three, he says, except you be born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. It makes absolutely no sense to your natural mind. He also went on to tell him in order, and you must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God, in order to enter into the kingdom. He says, you must be born again. So. Someone who just came into the kingdom of God, say you came into the kingdom of God three months ago, five months ago, six months ago, you have the same rights and privileges and benefits as somebody who came into the kingdom of God 50 years ago. In God's eyes, there's no difference. Why? There's only one kingdom. The only difference between you and somebody who's been in for 50 years is they may know how to operate in areas that you don't know how to operate in, but you have the same rights and privileges as they do. The kingdom of God supersedes the world system. So when the world system is falling down all around you, what guess what never fails? The kingdom of God. You want to know why? Y'all want me to prove it? I know you do. Girl, calm down over there, Julian. Calm down. What does it say? How do you know? Turn with and if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, when I'm telling you there is nothing new under the sun. So do you understand this part? Jesus came not to be born in a manger, not about, it wasn't about that he came in on a donkey, none of that. The reason why Jesus came was to reestablish the kingdom of God in the earth. And if you understand that the kingdom of God is in the earth, do you understand, hey, if I'm born again, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God and I have all the rights and privileges as a member of the kingdom of God. Do y'all see that? So you never. And what did he go about doing? Anybody who's in the kingdom of God, you never have to be sick another day in your life. Mm -hmm. 
You never have to be broke another day in your life. You never have to be bound to another to another sin another day in your life. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Sickness and the disease has no right to operate in your body. Poverty has no place in your home. But if you do not know that and you see this is the thing. Once you get born again, the most important thing you need to do is begin to renew your mind about the word of God on what does it mean to be born again? Then you need to understand how to take what you learn and apply it to your everyday life. That's why it's important for you to have a pastor. What a pastor does or supposed to do is to help you to mature in the things of God so you can go about doing the works of the ministry in your everyday life. See, what you're supposed to do is take what you learn here today and go and apply it to your everyday life. So when you go home, I double dog, triple dog dare you. Call at least three people who you know don't know what I just told you and say, let me tell you, you really want to know why Jesus came? Duh, we already know he came for the remission of sins. Yeah, but that was just a payment. But what was his real reason for coming? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Because when you tell people that that religious cow, Elsie the cow, there was many Elsie the cows out there. They just, they just died out there. Why? Because if you only think he only came to go to the cross, die and be resurrected, and that's all he did, then you missed the whole point. He came to reestablish the kingdom of the earth. Now, how can you believe in a Jesus and not believe in the message Jesus preached? If you go to God, the triple dog dare you go through it and, it and it'll tell you time and time again in the Gospels. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. What did Paul, what did John, his his cousin, preach? The kingdom of God. What are you supposed to preach? I'm about to tell you. Hang on. Matthew chapter 24. Are y'all still interested? Now, Jesus is talking to his disciples. They've been giving Jesus a little tour around the place. And Jesus says this. He says this. Verse 20, number three, it says, I'm reading out a passion translation. Later, when they arrived at the Mount of Olives, his disciples came privately to where he was sitting and said, tell us, when will these things happen? And what supernatural sign should we expect to signal your coming and the completion of this age? Jesus answered, and this is what he said. At that time, deception will run rampant. So be, beware that you are not fooled. For many will appear on the, on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I am God's anointed. And they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars nearby and revolutions on every side with more rumors of war to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears for the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen. Did y'all hear that? The breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen. He says, but it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. Nation will go to war against each other and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be terrible earthquakes and uh, seismic events of epic proportion, horrible epidemics and famines in place after place. There is this is how the first contractions and birth pains of the new age will begin 
You can expect to be persecuted. You can expect to be persecuted. Even killed for you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. Did y'all hear that? Because of your love for Christ, you will be persecuted. What does it persecution mean? People will be coming against you. I don't understand why you believe in that. Jesus, you stupid. You regressive. We progressive. Let me help you, honey. There's nothing new under the sun. What you think is new today, trust me. Go back a few years. They was doing it then too. Didn't work then. Praise the Lord. He says, you can expect to be persecuted, even killed, for you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. Then many will stop following after me. Now, many people, when persecution and afflictions come up against them, the first thing they do is they get upset with God because they've been told for years and years, God's in control of everything. And if it was, if, and it is God, you just, that Bible stuff don't work, that Jesus stuff don't work, man, forget it. I don't want nothing to do with it and everything. I'm going to go back out to the world. Anybody ever had, heard that happen? I've seen it happen. People who got upset because God didn't do something the way they expected him to do it. And because it didn't happen the way they do it, the first thing they did is turn their back on God. God, can I help you? God is never your problem. He's never your problem. But I can tell you this. He's always, always your solution if you allow him to be. So many will turn. Well, he says he says, and then many will stop following me. And fall away and they will begin to betray one another and they will hate one another and many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts are burned with passion for God and others will grow Code. In other words, there will be so much stuff going on around you, so much sin and stuff going on around you that if you're not careful, your heart can become cold. What does that mean? You become hard hearted. Do you see that? That's why he told us in the very. He said, I'm, I can't say it yet, but he told me to tell you. But OK, he says this. He says, yet. He says, but keep your hope earnest expectation to the end and you will experience life and deliverance yet though <clears throat> excuse me yet through it all this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom the kingdom of god will be proclaimed over the world all the world providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of god and after this the end of this age will arise. So what is he telling us? When all this stuff is going on, what's, what also, when all this calamity and, and all these things are going on and wars and rumors of wars and famines and all this going on, what is our responsibility supposed to be? What did Jesus do? He went about preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. What is your responsibility, body of believers? To go about preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. Because the world system is destined to fail. Now, in accordance to Jeremiah chapter one, it says that God hastens or watches over his very word to perform it. You say, why is that a big deal to me? Because, you know, when you begin to preach the kingdom of God and God's way of doing things, you know that God, no word from God returns void. In fact, 
Isaiah 55, 8 through 11 says this, For my thoughts are not, are, are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and make it bud and sprout, and, and furnishing seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. He says, so my word, my word, which goes forth out of my mouth, it will not return unto me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without success, succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So if you are preaching the word, if you are teaching the word of God, if you are speaking the word of God that God has given you concerning the situation and circumstance, it says that word won't return to you void. Now, it may not happen as fast. Now, God is not, he is not, he's never late, but boy, he sure ain't early. It'd be like, you know, they say late in the midnight hour, it'd be like 11.59 and 59 seconds. And then suddenly, God shows up. He told me to tell you, you are an overcomer. He said, you're an overcomer. What is an overcomer? An overcomer is one who vanquishes and one who surmounts a situation. He says, so because you're in the king, because you're uh, in the body of Christ, because you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, because you made a decision to put your trust and put your reliance and put your hope and your faith and dependency on him, he says, you are already an overcomer. Now, an overcomer, he says, I need you to do what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Now, you got all kind of friends. How many people got friends whose minds are everywhere? They don't know what to do. They freaking out. They seen the election. They seen this. Oh, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. He, you know, the first thing he said you got to do, shut up. If you're not speaking words of life, you are speaking words of death. See, out of your mouth is either going to come life or death. There is no gray. There is no, 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 no in between. You're either speaking life or you're speaking death. Life is when you speak the word of God. Death is when you're speaking anything that's contrary to the word of God. You don't, you don't know. But God does. And God already told you all these things is going to happen. Did he say that he was going to depend on your, lead, your national leaders to turn it around? No. Is that what Jesus did? No. So why are you looking at, 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 a, at a system that's already flawed to try to turn around something that you already know they can't turn it around? If they could turn it around, we probably wouldn't be in the mess in the first place. He says you're looking at the wrong one. Get your eyes off them and get your eyes back on him. Is there any questions about that? Your focus is not supposed to be on them. What do, are you supposed to do for them? And we're going to do it this morning. You pray for them. Whether you voted for them or you didn't vote for them. Whether you agree with them or you don't agree with them. Whether they're part of your group or they're not part of your group. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to pray for them. 
Why? Because at some point in time, you was hard head and concrete cranial and somebody prayed for you. So he's expecting us to do the same for somebody else. I was on my way to hell. I was on an Amtrak to hell and I didn't even know it. And my parents wore our knee pads praying for me. And look where I'm at today. Who would ever thought? Look at you. Who would ever thought? But God has somebody praying for you and you don't even know who that is. It might have been somebody halfway around the world. God woke them in the middle of the night. You on your way out to the club and you out there thinking you could and you end up in a car accident. Everybody else in the car got hurt except you. And you wonder how did that happen? Karma, the devil is a lie. It was the protection of God through somebody else's prayers for you that protected you. And if you don't teach people, I'm telling you, I can't express it enough. If you don't pray for other folks, if you don't teach people about the kingdom of God or that the kingdom of God even exists, they will think their only hope lies in this world system. And you can already see anybody do stock markets. It's like a deck of cards. It's like a yo-yo up one day, down the next up one day. And it's all based off of emotion. But God. You got the five foot view. God got the 5,000 foot view. He can see stuff you don't even see. He even knows the very intense behind what people are saying and doing towards you. You said, but that's Jesus. I ain't got to be like Jesus. That's what he told Jesus to do. That ain't what he's told me to do. Give me five minutes and I'm going to show you and then we're going to be done. What did he tell us to do? I'm so glad you asked. Now, now most people say he's going to go to Matthew chapter 28. I would, but that's not what he said. He said, share this with you. He says in accordance to Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples right after he resurrected from the grave. And this is what he told to them. Every, and how do you become a disciple? If you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you made a decision to follow after him, you classify as a disciple. So these marching orders are for you. He said, go. Uh oh, that's a word for somebody. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What's the gospel? The kingdom of God. He said this. He who. He that believeth shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Who decides whether that person believes or not? Does God make that decision for you? Does Jesus make that decision for you? He leaves that decision up to you. This is what the gospel says. This is what Jesus made available to you. This is what you have. Choice is yours. You can make a decision, I don't believe none of that mess. It doesn't change the fact that he made the gave you the opportunity. Now, he says, this is the good part. It's all good, but this is the really good part. Verse 17 says, and these signs or indicators shall follow them that believe. Did it say preacher? Did it say apostle, pastor, evangelist, and teacher? It says, these signs shall follow who? Those who believe. 
What has to happen first? You gotta teach them or tell them about the kingdom of God. These things shall follow them to believe. He says, in my authority, they shall cast out devils. And they shall speak with new tongues. And they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Who is going to be doing all those things? Those who believe. Those who believe in Jesus. Those are the ones who will be doing all those things. All right, all right, do y'all see that? See, for, I used to think the only person who could do that was the pastor. So that's why people would always call the pastor, because the pastor was the only one supposed to do that. But this verse says, those who believe in the kingdom, or those who believe on Jesus and, and hear the message about the kingdom, they are the ones who are going to be laying hands on people and they shall recover. They're the ones who are going to be able to cast out the evidence. Those are the ones who are going to speak a new t- uh, be able to uh, speak in tongues. And those are the ones, if they accidentally drink something of poison, it shall not hurt them. Do y'all see that? Last point. How do you know it's going to work? Well, verse 20 says this. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs to follow. So they actually went forth with the word, preaching that word about the kingdom and signs. And he confirmed the word that they preach with signs to follow. Do y'all see that? Jesus says, the Father says this, regardless of what you hear on the TV and hear on the news, you're responsible to be, what does the word of God say about this situation? What, how does the kingdom of God, how does the kingdom of God respond to this situation? When you're talking to somebody about this, so-and-so says such as this, man, the devil is a lie, I bind that up in the name, and we're going to talk about that too. We was, we was beginning to talk about a series about the, 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 the ABCs of prayer on Thursday night, but I got an instruction this morning. We need to switch that to the authority of the believer. So Thursday at 6 p.m., we're going to start talking about the authority of the believer. He says, because that's what they need to know. Because you understand about faith. We talked about faith for the last eight weeks, and now we're going to be talking about the authority of the believer. Because, see, when you have faith, faith is the currency that, op- that operates in the kingdom of God. Sometimes people are praying when they should be saying, and sometimes people are saying when they should be praying. And you need to be able to know what's the when when is when. Do y'all do y'all see that? Did, was it too high for anybody today? Did everybody understand what I said? Well, not me. The Spirit of God said. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it all starts with you gotta don't let your heart be troubled. In fact, the Father said, "I gave you the answer before I even told you what the problem was." So you already know I'm, I'm not bound to time. He says, I will show you things to come and I will show you how to how to respond to it, even when you don't know what to do. He says, I'll show you what to do. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I know y'all like, God damn it, that was a lot of information. That's why we record it. So you can go back and watch it again or go back and listen to it again. But at the end of the day, synopsis, Jesus came to reestablish the kingdom. 
after he has, in the way he reestablished the kingdom was he went to the cross and paid for our sins on Calvary's tree. He paid the price for your sins and my sins. For your sickness and disease, my sickness and disease. For every, every situation and circumstance that you could ever come up against, he paid the price for it. One time on the tree. You don't have to go back and kill cows. You don't have to say 120 Hail Marys. You don't have to do any of that. Why? Because Jesus did it all. And somebody shared something with me the other day about prayer. I'm like, well, who are you praying to? You pray to God in the name of Jesus. You don't pray to Mary. You don't pray to Buddha. You don't pray to Muhammad. You don't pray to Harry Krishna. The Bible says you pray to God in the name of Jesus if you expect to get a result. If you just like talking, you can talk all day and tomorrow and you will never see anything happen. But let me, can I tell you this? Prayer is a communication between you and God where y'all both come together and come on common union. Okay? Amen. So Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise and thank you for this opportunity in your word. <clears throat> thank you, Father, for showing us how to respond. Thank you for showing us what our mandate is. You showed us what Jesus' mandate is, and then you also showed us what our part is. I'm asking you to give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding on how to carry it out, who to carry it out with, and who is ready to receive. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and, and you would like to do that today, it's the easiest, simplest thing. Or even if you want to rededicate your life to him, maybe you was in a relationship with him at one point in time, but then you got away. I'm going to show you. This is the simplest thing you could do in getting back in right relationships. Because remember, you can't even enter in or see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Now, Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10 says this, says, The word of God is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith that we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you repeat this prayer after me, mean it from your heart. Everybody here can join in with me. And mean it from your heart. And I guarantee you right now, you will transition from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. So, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my burdens for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. I repent of sin. I'm sorry, Lord. And I receive your offer of forgiveness. I make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, see how easy that was? It's so easy, it would take a theologian to confuse it for you. It's so easy a child can get it. In fact, I know little children who they watch this service online who have received this. It's just that simple. Now that you're born again, just like a newborn baby, you don't know what to do. 
So what do you do? You get in a good word-based church. Faithful Life is a great word-based church who teach you what the Bible says and how to apply it to your everyday life. It doesn't matter how much somebody tells you if you don't know how to apply it to your everyday life. And that's what we do here. But if Faithful Life is not for you, hey, no problem. There's other churches around. But I always tell you, find, let, be led by Holy Spirit to a good word-based church that preaches the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and teaches about the blood of Jesus. Because that's what Revelation 12 says. We overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. Amen? Amen. If you have any questions or if you need any information, please send us an email at info at